What's going on you rogues, rebels, and renegades? Welcome to episode 65 of the Rogue Country Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. This week, we hit our three-year anniversary, the first episode of the Rogue Country Podcast, formerly known as Into the Van. First aired on the 24th of March, 2020. That's a long time ago, and we're 65 episodes in, over 4.5 thousand downloads, and I just cannot thank you all enough for listening. We've had some amazing guests. Thank you so much to everyone who's agreed to come on the show. It's been an absolute trip, and I hope we get to do another three more. But let's get down to our wonderful, wonderful sponsor. Today, we are brought to you by Pick Print Screen Printing. They're a Liverpool-based, family-run hand screen printing company, and I love these guys. They do my t-shirts, they do the Rogue Country t-shirts, they do Josh Bettis' t-shirts. So if you need band merch, workwear, business uniforms, club or sports team wears, or apparel lines, please get in touch with them. They use eco-friendly inks. It's all done by hand, and they're just an incredible company to wear with. I love them, and you should go support them. Thank you so much to Pick Print Screen Printing. We do have new Rogue Country t-shirts and Rogue Country mugs available in our band camp, so go treat yourself. But what's happening in the UK? Or what's even happening in Europe? Pete Bernard, who was previously on the podcast, I hope you enjoyed that episode, is on tour in Europe right now with Clyde McGee. It is the 26th of March, and he is going to be hitting Berlin on the 30th. Then he's in you know, Germany, the Netherlands. He's back in Germany. Then he's in Belgium. Then he's back in the Netherlands. Then he's back in Belgium. And then he's back in Germany. This is a hell of a tour, and you definitely do not want to miss it. Today, we have the incredible Mike from Mike and the Moon Pies on. We wanted to get this episode out as soon as possible because on the 1st of April, Mike and the Moon Pies hit the UK shore. So on the 1st of April, he's in Newcastle. Second, he's in London. Third in Nottingham. Fourth in Manchester. And fifth in Oxford. These are amazing shows. And, you know, we threw our schedule to the wind because we don't want you to miss these dates. We did two episodes in two weeks instead of an episode every two weeks because we didn't want you to miss the Pete Bernard tour. And we don't want you to miss the Mike and the Moon Pies tour. I'm opening the Manchester show. Ags Connolly is opening the Nottingham and Oxford shows. So you would be crazy to miss one of the hottest country bands in the world come into the UK. You do not want to miss this. Then, at the end of April, I am bringing Luke Hendrickson over, and you will not want to miss this tour. Luke's a phenomenal guy, a phenomenal songwriter, and we are hitting all across the UK from April 22nd to April 30th. We're in Wallasey, Bradford, Northwich, Birkenhead, Sheffield, Newark, Rossendale, Brecon, and London, and you will not want to miss any of these dates. Head over to our Rogue Country pages for more info, and Maybe you've heard what we've done recently. Maybe you've heard the news. We have the Jesse Daniel coming over to the UK in August. That's right. We're bringing him over for three dates. His first ever UK tour. Now, if this is the first time you're hearing about it, apologies. London on the 14th of August is now completely sold out. You're going to have to either travel to Swansea on the 15th of August at the Bunkhouse or Birkenhead on the 16th of August at the Swinging Arms to see Jesse Daniel. You do not want to miss these shows, and Josh Bettis, our very own lovable rogue himself, is opening the gigs. This is going to be an absolutely amazing tour, and you need to be there. You definitely need to be there because it's just... I remember going to the Tyler Childers show when there was 80 people there. This is the same thing. You do not want to miss this tour. Jesse is rising fast, and we're so proud to have a sold-out show with him already. It's sold out in three days. And Swansea and Birkenhead are going to be just as incredible. And if that wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough, on September 17th, at the Swinging Arm in Birkenhead, and at the Bunkhouse in Swansea on the same day, 
We're putting on the Hank 100 tribute shows. We've got incredible lineups for each show. In Swansea, we have the Taff Rapid String Band, Josh Bettis, and Ashley Harding. You can get tickets for Nell by following our link tree that has all the tickets for the Jesse Daniel tour, the Luke Hendrickson tour, and the Hank show. And in Birkenhead, we're doing a free old day with myself, the Banner Band, Cold Hands, Brandon Ridley, and the Young Devils. And it's going to be fucking phenomenal. All information can be found on our social media pages and we hope to see you there. But let's share some love. Congratulations to the Banner Band who have just brought out their new album, The Age of the Liar. And Ags has a brand new single, Headed South for a While. It's phenomenal. You do not want to miss these records. They are so good and we are so happy to see UK country music thriving so much. But we're not here to talk about me. We're not here to talk about all these incredible things. We're here to talk to Mike from Mike and the Moon Pies about his upcoming UK tour and so much more. So without further ado, this is episode 65 of the Rogue Country Podcast with Mike West and Mike and the Moon Pies. Cool. So thanks so much for joining us. Just um, to kind of kick things off, how was the Outlaw Cruise that you recently played? Uh, it was good, man. Like uh, I'd, I'd really had bad experience on cruises before, so I wasn't really that excited about getting on that one. I was excited about the people I was going to be playing with, like, mm. and it w- which turned out to be awesome. I mean, I was we were hanging out with like you know Steve Earle and and uh, the Mavericks and stuff like that, and, and uh, Kyle Gass from Tenacious D was on the boat. It was oh, no <laughs> it was pretty cool. Uh, I, I made really good friends with uh, Kathleen Edwards, who I'd never met. I'd but who I loved. And so I, uh, it was socially, it was really great. And um, I think we made a lot of new fans. The things about doing those kinds of things is people from all over the country and all over mm. the world come to get on that yeah. cruise. So it's a, it's a nice way to, to spread your name out there and, and hopefully you sell some tickets next time you're in their town, you know? Yeah. No, totally. I can imagine it's weird to have such a captive audience that male, you know, it's a bit different. It's like a festival setting where you'll be on the bill, but people can kind of come and go with this. It seems, you know, a lot of it, like it's a more concentrated experience. It is. I mean, you pretty much, you meet everyone that's on the boat. So, you know, all the fans are, you know, are all hanging out and uh, yeah, you just, you make, it's easy to make friends. And you pretty much, I, I pretty much shook a hand with every person that, that was on that cruise. Mm. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Yeah. And you've got a run of Texas shows, is it, before you come over to the UK and Europe? Yeah, and we're kind of wrapping that up now. We've, we've been out doing Texas stuff for the past couple of weeks, and then uh, I've got one more weekend because now it's uh, South by Southwest in Austin mm. this week. So uh, I'm doing one or two shows for that in Austin and uh, a couple other Texas things. Mm. And uh, then um, that's it. Then we're ready to go, man. We're ready to, to, to get on a plane. Yeah, what's the perspective of South by Southwest for Texans? Because I know you know when something kind of comes to city like Liverpool has Eurovision coming, and there's a lot of people who'd be like, "Yay!" and then a lot of the locals will just be annoyed at the traffic and the extra people clogging things up. I think the general consensus with most Austinites is um, they try to leave town. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I we used to do it when you know when when we first started the band. I would do South by every year and we would play five or six shows or you know you could do two or three shows a day it was a lot of fun and a lot of our friends came into town so it was cool to see everybody but i'm I'm in the same boat now where it gets a little bit too crazy and i don't go down to, i don't go and get into it anymore i used to just go down there and enjoy it and have fun mm-hmm. and go see daytime shows and stuff like that but i'm kind of you know i don't i don't need to get into the mix that much anymore mm-hmm. so 
uh, I, I feel probably pretty similar to most Austin nights where it's like, I'd better to just probably split town for a week. <laughs> no, I think a lot of people are going to be getting out of Dodge for when Eurovision hits here because I think that's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear that. Yeah. And with coming over to the UK and a Europe from April, is this, because I know this was meant to happen, I think, in 2020 and then the year after. Have you come over to the UK and Europe before? I can't remember if I've seen tour dates before. Um, I haven't really toured it. I mean, you know, the only time I've only been over, uh, I did a festival in France a while back and a festival in Italy a while back. And I did a one-off in Spain. That's the only thing I've ever done. And except for when we were in London and made, and made the cheap silver record. And then we didn't play any shows when we were making that record. We just were in Abbey road for three days and then, and then split. Mm. So uh, we didn't really, uh, we didn't really get to see a whole lot, you know, other than the studio. Um, and we definitely didn't play any shows. So, that that London show has been sold out for <laughs> three years almost, probably, you know. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited to finally get to play that show. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And coming across to like UK and Europe, obviously, you kind of came up in like dance halls and Texas and stuff. With that being such its own world, have you thought of how to tailor that experience to UK and European crowds, or is it you just going to hit them with both barrels? I think it's both barrels for us, man. You know, we have a, we've spent a lot of time kind of building this show that we do and mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's served us pretty well. So I think we're going to do that. You know, when we started doing this, um, we were playing in little small pub bar mm-hmm. rooms, you know, and, uh, and we still do that ac- across the country, you know, not as much as Texas anymore because we're playing a little bit bigger rooms in Texas, but um, across the country, you still find ourselves, you know, in, in little bitty rock clubs and little small places and, and uh, where I don't know if we're going to sell any tickets or not, you know, but, um, we always kind of bring that show, you know, our yeah. show is a, is a pub bar room show, you know, and sometimes it's on a bigger stage, you know? <laughs> so I think, I think we're going to feel right at home doing it, you know? No, awesome. With kind of growing up in the perspective, what was it that really helped you cut your teeth or gain it, you know, forge your identity of this is what we do and this is what we do. Well, was it, you know, dealing with those type of crowds on those stages and getting that kind of identity forged? Yeah, I mean, you know, we if we were playing in a in a small barroom thing, a roadhouse thing, it was you know it was bar fights and alcohol and stuff like that, you know. And then we were playing in the dance hall thing. It became the job was to keep dancers on the floor. Mm. So you know, I think we learned how to, you know, we learned how to play each kind of room a separate way. And I think since we're not really stuck to one of those things anymore yeah. you know we've kind of just melded our show into one big hodgepodge of this is all the things we've learned in in 10 plus years of doing dance halls and bars and now we're taking that show to you know a, a theater stage or a you know a rock club or, or mm. you know wherever it is but we're kind of just doing the show that we've learned to do over the years just by being all those different experiences mm. no awesome and i saw from him what kind of you pr people sent over it's that you, you've obviously been growing and growing and growing as you've been going for 16 years with this kind of run being one of the most successful and with sell shows across the East Coast. It must feel good to kind of get that, not necessarily val- validation, but, you know, to have those people realizing what you're doing and respecting what you're doing and coming out to these shows. Yeah, I mean, this last tour on the East Coast blew me away. I didn't expect, you know, I, I knew we were going to have some good shows, but I was playing in towns and markets that I had never been in before, and they were selling out. Mm-hmm. And 
people knew all the words, you know what I mean? Now we're getting to places now. That's kind of big. The biggest thing for me is uh, not only are we selling a lot of tickets, but people are singing along the whole mm. show, you know what I mean? And, and they don't just know the new stuff, you know, they've looked into the back catalog and they know older songs and, you know, um, it's, it's just a, it's a mind blowing experience to see it really, the thing we've been chasing for a long time mm. to see it to really start to happen on a regular basis, you know? Yeah. No, that's awesome. Do you think there has there been a point where you kind of saw the tides turning? Because obviously the first album came out in 2010 and you've been doing this a long time now. And it seems to have been in the, from my perspective as like an outsider of the American scene, it seems to have been kind of like last six or so years, country music's kind of swept the internet in a big way. And the way that, you know, you may not have played in those markets before, but they know the words and they're showing up because that's how I first heard about you. And that's how I know the UK and European shows are going to be great. Yeah. I mean, Steak Night was the record that really changed the, changed it for us. Um, we started to get some notice from more radio kind of at that point too. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Shooter Jennings was a big fan of that record. That really helped me out with like, uh, serious online radio and mm. stuff like that. And, um, you know, that just, I, I started working with Adam Oder at that point, our, mm. our manager and our producer. And, um, you know, it's just been brainstorming since then about different ways to like, when we put out the, the Abbey road record and, and, uh, you know, just release that, you know, uh, as, as a surprise, mm-hmm. um, that, that was a big thing for us. Just the, we got to, we're learning things about how to mani- how to manipulate our career <laughs> and yeah. how to you know build press and you know it's it's just a it's a lot more people working on it right now you know and I mean my wife is helping out with doing she's doing socials and she's doing all she does all our merch and stuff like that so mm-hmm. we just have a team of people now that we never had before that are really dedicated to making this thing take off and it's finally I was, like you said about the past six years you know I've seen a still a slow a slow steady growth. Um, but you know, right now I feel like we're really starting to pay off, you know? Yeah. No, that's awesome. I think it does help to have, you know, you can't be everything to everyone as a musician. Cause you know, you want the music, you want the songs to be first and foremost, but to ignore the marketing side of things, you're not going to really reach anyone. So it's always important to have someone in your corner to be able to do those. And obviously you've been touring with likes of Joshua Ray Walker and Vandaliers and it seems that there's a really great community around the scene at the moment. Yeah, I mean, those guys, like, it was great because I, I toured with all those guys before. And then we did this last tour together and we all ended up back on that Outlaw Cruise together. Um, it's a it's a very, it's a family of people, you know. And, and really, it, it comes down to the guys that are really out there working and touring as hard as, like, we are, which would be, the Vandaliers and Josh Willie Walker and our friend Rob Linus who was just on mm-hmm. tour with us. So, um, you know, there's, we're always very simpatico with those, with the touring guys, you know, the, mm-hmm. the bands that are really doing it. So, uh, you know, we, <laughs> it's, it's just as much fun because we're all in it for the long haul and we know that we're, they're all doing this for the same goals, you know? Yeah. So it really helps us to, uh, have a good time on the road while we're doing it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Is that kind of when you come across a band, is that kind of like the vibe you first check out, whether they like co-headline and support? And is that the kind of how you suss them out and then develop the relationship going from there? Uh, absolutely. Our experience has always been that, you know, when we run across anybody, if, if we're going to some town and there's, you know, local support on it or whatever, you know, we're just gauging how 
dedicated people are to doing to doing this all the time you know i mean we we want to make lifelong friends in this in this thing and 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 friends that we're going to see all over the country forever you know so um you know you you find you find like-minded people and it but the, it it doesn't even have to be the same music like the bandoliers are a, you know a, a punk a cow punk band you know <laughs> and, and 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 we're like pretty straight honky tonk but um you know we love each other <laughs> you know it's awesome yeah no that's so cool that's one of the things that i kind of you know it doesn't seem to happen as much but you used to see it back in the day with like the highwaymen or Waylon and Willie, where it did seem these genuine friendships were spawned on tours. And it was the same with the metal and punk scene. And it seems there's spots of it that are happening. And like, I love to see what you guys are doing and like the bands you tour with, because it does seem so like genuine and reciprocal. Yeah. Well, you know, and we try to do it too, where we can continue to collaborate together. Like, you know, we we were on tour with uh, the Breaker City Nighthawks a couple of years ago, and then we uh, did a song together on our one to grow on record. And, uh, like I said, we just got off tour with this Rob Linus, uh, with the Rob Linus band. And, and we're going to make a record together where I think me and my producer, Adam, are going to co-produce on that stuff coming up. So, you know, it's, uh, we try to make it as collaborative as we can on and off the road, yeah. you know? No. Awesome. And how did you um, meet Adam and your producer? Um, he actually, I met him the first time when he uh, made our Windstar live from the Windstar record. Mm. He came out and uh, recorded that. That was the first time I'd met him. I knew who he was uh, from just, you know, working the Texas music scene so much. Um, but that was the first time we had met and we just, we just really hit it. And um, we found out we were pretty like-minded people and had a similar work ethic and, and wanted to uh, try to make a studio record together. So that's where the Steak Night record came from and, and then uh, after that, man, the rest is kind of history. We just we've been making all the records and doing all the business really together since uh, since Steak Night of the Prairie Rose. Oh, awesome! And with obviously, you say you're kind of similar in like styles and thinking. What was it that kind of when you collaborate, you kind of lean on each other for, or you bring different aspects to it that can blow a song or an album wide open? Yeah, there's um, you know there's a big thing that happened with me and Adam on the Steak Night record where um, it was like. I would, I would find myself in a spot where I couldn't finish a song or, I, you know, I never really had a good sounding board. I think, uh, mm. that I trusted on, on a lot of levels, on production levels, on sound quality levels, on, uh, you know, arrangement, songwriting, everything. So, uh, it became, it became like a big tennis ball back mm. and forth thing between me and Adam all the time. So when I was writing the next record, um, it was the same thing. I would come up with ideas and I'd basically send him every voice memo I had on my phone. Mm that I was writing and it just, it became really easy to, to, to get things done together, mm. you know? Oh, cool. And I just recently watched the garden and the gun sessions where you did three new songs and you talked briefly in between the songs about, you had like songwriting exercises that you held kind of bang some out. What were those exercises that you were using to? Uh, well, I read the, uh, I read both of the Jeff Tweedy books back to back. So I read his book, uh, Let's Go So We Can Get Back, and uh, then his How to Write One Song book. I'm a big Wilco fan, mm. a big Jeff Tweedy fan, and uh, I'd wanted to read those books for a while, but um, I kind of was waiting until I needed to read those books, mm. basically. I, I, I felt good in my songwriting for a while, and then I kind of found myself in a hole where I was writing the same thing over and over again, and I needed to change that up. 
So mm-hmm. I read in his book a couple exercises. I mean, I was making stuff I've never done before, making word ladders and um, highlighting phrases in random books. If I wanted to write a song about space, I would open up a book about space and I would mm-hmm. highlight something that went with my melody line or something like that. So I just tried. I just tried a bunch of stuff I'd never tried, and it ended up it ended up being pretty fruitful for me. And, and it was a different style of writing, and the songs came out a little bit more interesting. And uh, I'm still I'm looking forward to fleshing all that stuff out in the studio with the band now that it's kind of a different style of song for me, and, and seeing how it how the band translates that onto record. Yeah, that's so cool because I know on one to grow on you kind of it was a conceptual album, which I didn't. I was surprised to see it as a concept album because you like coming from like a rock and metal background, like a concept album is like the elder or something where it's this huge overarching theme. And, you know, for a lot of rock bands, they miss when they do it, but this album was so solid. It wasn't until I read it was a concept album that a whole new level of appreciation opened up for it. But what was it about kind of writing for that character that really helped you get into those songs and work your way into that album? Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't even, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I didn't really realize it was conceptual until I was kind of done with it. Mm. You know, it like, I, I had written all those songs just because that's kind of what I was going through at the time. And I was thinking about the past, you know, I think everybody was kind of in that time, time of, in the world, mm. everybody was kind of, you know, nostalgic. And, uh, and I, I found myself in that mode and thinking about when I was a kid and then how that related to me now being, a father and raising a kid and you know I, I spent a year at home you know that i wouldn't have gotten mm. otherwise and so it, it really opened my mind up to that and and uh you know made me appreciate a lot of things and i kind of wanted to write a record about appreciating those kind of things mm. so i just kind of i went down that road and then i was done with it and i was like i mean this is the same guy i'm not sure if it's me but it's people i've learned from you know mm. yeah, that's such an interesting thing and it is like there's there's that kind of ephemeral but constant person that's in a lot of country music but to have like that through thread such an interesting thing and with the pandemic one thing that was like a common thread for all musicians was you know as much as it was awful to have that time away from the road for everyone who had a family it was just like a godsend i spoke to charles wesley godwin who'd recently become a dad and he was you know pretty stoked to be at home and to have those moments that he wouldn't normally get Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I know it was a tough time for a lot of people and it was tough for us, you know, and, and financially it was difficult. Um, but man, I, that was just, I found myself with time that I never would have had otherwise. And, and I would have missed out on some stuff, you know, uh, had I been on the road in those years, you know? So man, I, I, I agree. I, I, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was there anything in particular you kind of were doing during that time that you wish you could get back to now any series you like left like half watched that you wanted to get back to yeah there's a lot of well i started to remodel my house mm. <laughs> was kind of <laughs> what happened and um a lot of those projects have ceased <laughs> maybe half finished projects so there's still those things that i would love to get done uh but you know i'm slowly getting i'm slowly getting back into those things that we're, we're taking the pandemic also made me aware of like, I need to take a little bit more time off than I was taking before. And, and, uh, you know, we were taking every offer that we could get and yeah. just staying on the road constantly. So, um, that was an eye opening experience for me too. So, um, I'm, I'm picking my battles now a little yeah. bit better and, uh, hopefully I'll get some of those things knocked out <laughs> around the house. 
Yeah. No, I, I think that's super important. And I I read or I heard a while ago about how um like doctor internships, like medical internships, they're so like crazy long shifts and just so intense. Because back in the day when they set these things up, cocaine was legal and used and right. you know, that was what they were all on. And then it kind of clicked when you see those torn schedules back in the day and you realize all those artists were on speed or pills or whatever. But that mentality and touring schedule has maintained up until, you know, it's still maintained and expected to, you know, 30 days, 30 shows. Yeah, you don't, you don't even realize it. I didn't really, you know, I I didn't even think about it. You know, it's like, it was always like, that's how I learned to do this was Mm. just go, 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 go. You know, and and you don't make, as far as we're concerned, I mean, we don't make money off of albums or, you know, really. I mean, we have to be touring to make money. And, and that was just the way that I came up in this business was to just work all the time. And I saw everybody else doing it and it seems like it was working out. <laughs> so, and it did, man, you know, I wouldn't be where I, where I am now if we hadn't worked all of that time. Yeah. And, and I'm glad that we did. Um, but you know, you get older and life, life changes and, and, um, you know, you come to some realizations later that, you know, you know, you find out what's important. All of yeah. the cliche things like that are all true. You know, so, um, it's, it's a live and learn. And so, you know, like I said, making, making better choices is becoming higher and higher on my list. (laughs) No, definitely. If it's one of those things is you have to always pick your battles and it's kind of, especially when you're a new musician, you do want to take every offer that's in front of you because, you know, that's the only way you cut your teeth. That's the only way you grow. But then you get a few years into the game and you realize that, you know, that gig or that show is not going to help you in the way you think it will. So it's better to, you know, take some time for yourself, do some social media posting, or, you know, just spend a night with the family than, you know, go to a dead end show. I agree. Yeah. I've gotten to a point now where if it's, um, if I don't feel like we can bring our A game to some shows, you know, uh, if we can't have everything that we, you know, want it to be, or if somebody's going to be out on a show or what, I just won't take the show. Yeah. You know, I mean, I want to put my best foot forward all the time. So, um yeah it's it's picking your battles is, is a lesson learned mm. no definitely and going back to the garden and gun sessions it was you know uh, the three of you on acoustics is that the kind of songwriting process really because i know you play a stratocaster mainly live is that your main go-to guitar live uh yeah i'm, I'm pretty much on the strat all the time live i used to switch back and forth acoustic and then uh strat but i don't know i don't like switching i don't like dead air in the shows it was taking mm. too much time it was just you know, and the Strat's really versatile. You know, I can I can play rhythm guitar. I can take a solo with that guitar. So um, I got a lot of different tones, that thing. So uh, it's it's kind of a it's a workhorse for me. You know, and um, I tend to write uh, I tend to write on acoustic when I'm at the house. You know, I also I have a five year old and a wife, and I need to be somewhat <laughs> respectful of <laughs> making noise all the time. Mm. Um, but that being said, like I, I wrote the Steak Night record all on electric guitar. Mm-hmm. And I hardly played, I think there's maybe one or two acoustic parts on that whole record. And then, uh, you know, conversely, one to grow on, I wrote that whole record on acoustic guitar and there's a lot, lot of rhythm acoustic guitar parts on it. So, uh, we'll see how it translates in the studio. Like I said, I'm not really sure what, what it's going to lead to, but, uh, I'm into changing up the show a little bit. You know, we've been doing a, this really tight, you know, honky tonk banging show now mm-hmm. for a year or two that's, that I really like, but I'm into, seeing where these songs take us and if it turns into a more versatile or 
you know, a different show and at least pieces of the show. And I'm, I'm cool with that too. So I'm, I'm down to experiment with whatever happens next. Yeah. No, I think at the kind of place you're at now, you do have a lot more give with the crowd. Obviously you've talked about, you don't want dead space or dead air in between shows, but with this kind of journey in your career now, I feel like you probably can take, you know, that time to switch a guitar and talk to the crowd a bit more and, you know, see where it does take you an experiment. Yeah, I agree. There's, I, I'm starting to get back into it about, you know, talking a little more. I got really into this No Dead Air thing and just really like we built these transitions between songs that I really mm. like and it makes the show interesting to me too, you know. And uh, so I'm really like kind of infatuated with that mm. at the moment. Um, but also, you know, I'm writing different stuff now and, and I have more stories now. So, <laughs> and I have things I can tell about every town I've been in. I got a story from pretty much every town. <laughs> so, you know, I've got more material now than i used to and uh so i am just i'm just getting more comfortable with it you know i it's it used to be just every it's something to prove all the time you know yeah. it was like man i gotta i gotta prove that i'm worthy of this lifestyle and this show and everyone coming to this thing right and uh you know now i feel like i can take a step back and and maybe just enjoy it a little bit more and and, mm. and you know do what comes natural i suppose mm. Oh, cool. And with kind of that mentality, were there many influences either growing up or when you were cutting your teeth live that shaped that experience of, you know, no dead air, no, um, no really storytelling or taking time to pause? It's just like full barrels. Yeah, you know, it's it's different because I, I you know, I grew up on pretty much country shows, you know, and, and uh, there was always, you know, some talking or storytelling or whatever, but when I started to get into doing it all the time and, and playing live shows all the time, I would go to these bars and, and see bands doing it, or I would go to rock clubs and I would just see no words, man. And just like, it just one into another. And it just, the energy was something I, that I had didn't experience before in like the country realm of, of that when I was growing up. Hmm. And so it was kind of, uh, you know, I wanted to mix, mix the two things together and put on a, honky tonk rock show yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so it kind of became a goal of mine to uh to create that aesthetic um there's nobody really really you know in particular it was just you know another thing that was uh we when we started touring this band really hard like outside of texas we were touring with turnpike troubadours all the time and i learned a lot from their show just because it was just it was hit after hit and it just mm. went on and on and on and you know i mean i i don't know i learned a lot from just touring with other yeah you know, next level acts, you know what I mean? I think learn, learning a lot about just how the show works and the gear works. And, you know, we have an in-ear rig that we use now, you know, all the thing, all those things that I didn't really, you know, know about or pay attention to when I was just doing the bar band thing. Um, I learned a lot from just opening up for, for bigger acts, you know? Mm. That's awesome. And talking about opening for um, other acts, so have you going to be playing a sold out show with the Ryman with uh, Jason Boland? In September, is that? Yeah, it's September the 16th with Jason Boland and Reckless Kelly. Mm. No. Awesome. And yeah, with, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Is that part of a tour or is that like a one-off show you're going up to play? or? Uh, it's kind of a one-off. I think we're going to do a couple of dates going up there and a couple, a couple of dates coming back um, because that was going to be a full tour. I think originally we were going to take the, kind of that show on the road, um, but that turned into just doing that one night at, at Ryman which is cool because 
I like to have my time in Nashville, so I might stick around in Nashville for a day or two. I love that town and hanging out there. So um, we'll probably do a couple shows going up to that, then hang out in Nashville for a couple of days and then uh, get back to our regularly scheduled touring. Mm. Is there anything in Nashville when you stop off at a town? Are there any, like, most, like, see places that you try and aim for? And, like, is it food, record shops, guitar shops, or what do you aim for when you stop off at a town? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of places I go every time. You know, I go to the, the D's Lounge where I, I played. Uh, but before we played the Opry, we did a secret pop-up show at D's Lounge, which I love, just, just outside of uh, downtown. Uh, Robert's Western World is a place that I love to go that's on Broadway, and it's right behind the Ryman. So you walk out of the back door of the Ryman, you can walk right into Robert's. And we had an after-party there at the Opry, uh, on the Opry night. Mm. Um, so just a couple staples and I just have a ton of friends in Nashville. So, you know, whatever's hot, uh, at the moment, we'll go out and, and check it out. You know I mean? I just want to go hang out with my Nashville friends and, and, uh, hit a couple of, hit a couple of bars. <laughs> awesome. I'm with kind of, you've been working on these new songs. Is there an album insights for the end of this year or next year? Yeah, we're going in the studio. I mean, I've got time. Um, I've got time booked. So, uh, we're going to go in there and experiment with it and, and see, you know, time frames are, are tough. Mm. Uh, I would, I would say there would be some new music by the end of the year. I don't know if it'd be a full record. It might be a, a single off of an upcoming 2024 record or, or something, but there'll, there'll definitely be some new, uh, studio recorded music coming out from us, um, mm. you know, in the, in the, in the second half of the year. Cool. And when you have like these songs, what is the kind of collaboration process between you and the rest of the band? And, you know, before you even get into the studio, how these songs kind of find their legs? Um, it's We do it kind of old school, man. I mean, I, I don't really show the guys the songs before we go into the studio. So like those three that we did for Garden and Gun, um, I showed those to those guys like the day before. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we haven't really touched it since then. I I like the spontaneity of being mm. in there and figuring out what we're going to do. So um, I'll go in there and I'll play the songs in the kitchen of the studio. You know, I'll play one song and then we'll go in the room and, and try to come up with the best version of that song that we can do until we figure that out. And then we'll move on to the next one and I'll play the next one. And, and uh, I kind of like to let everybody go. You know, I've got a couple ideas in my head about production. It's hard for me to stay away from that when i'm writing i tend to think about that all the time i'm like oh man i kind of this is I, my mind just starts going with ideas about production so i try to keep that in the back of my mind until i've heard what the guys want to do to flush out you know put their stamp on it mm. and uh then i'll then i can you know manipulate my ideas back into it if i want to or maybe i'm just happy with whatever they did but um spontaneity is is kind of the key to where we get started on making the record oh sick i'm with approaching it from a production standpoint is that going after like a specific sound from records you grew up on or were influenced by or is it trying to find something like new that's just been in your head that you're trying to get across um it's both it's it's, it's whatever really naturally happens you know I, I do a lot of demos where i am singing the song and and uh and then i'll just basically hum whatever guitar parts in my head or i think maybe i, I hear a keyboard part or something and so I just hum it, you know, on top of it. Mm. And uh, I, I try to, man, you know, there's definitely times where I hear somebody else's song and I'm like, okay, this is, that was it. That's what I'm trying to capture. So like a lot of, a lot of that rainy day, uh, rainy day song off of uh, 
wanted to grow on was like I wanted I was going after this Clint Black thing mm-hmm. and I really wanted to capture that. So that came from that, you know, that that record, that Clint Black record that I was listening to a lot. But you know, most of the time it's just uh hopefully my brain spits out something that's clever and that it's, you know, familiar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh it just naturally happens on the demos. And then, you know, if it's cool, it's cool. If it's not, uh I got four other guys in the band that'll help me figure it out. <laughs> No, it's in most pieces are good to obviously have your producer and you know Adam and everything, but then have like the band to bounce all these ideas off as well. Is there ever any kind of not tension but clashes over you know one person really digging their heels into an idea? Yeah, I mean it's, it's happened before, uh, but we're you know we've 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 known each other and been making records for you know almost twenty years, so we we've got a good way of of um, being you know somewhat political or, or you know correct yeah. in how to how to how to deal with it uh you know we'll get we'll get stuck in on something where like i'm really dead set on something and and maybe zach or catlin have a different part or a different idea um and we'll you know we'll meet in the middle sometimes but at the end of the day you know i think it we all figured out what's right for the song yeah and then I, that's what i always bring it back to is no matter how much you want to play this one part you gotta ask yourself it's, is it really right for what the song is wanting to do and so, you know, you let the song decide most of the time and, and you'll be all right. No, totally. Well, we're coming kind of to the end of our time together. But with kind of UK and Europe, is there anything in your mind that's bucket list to take off to like sightsee or anything you really want to do over here? Um, I didn't realize that there is a direct flight uh, from Austin to Amsterdam. <laughs> I didn't know that <laughs> until... Until we booked the flights. And so I'm uh, pretty excited about the very first stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we've been talking about, uh, you know, things we're going to do. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we're we big pub crawlers, man. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that that's going to be, you know, that's how we're going to spend our – anytime we're not on stage, we're going to be uh, crawling. Yeah. No, <laughs> so that's to all- speak. <laughs> no that's awesome because you do have a good chunk of dates in the netherlands including groningen which is one of my favorite cities ever um are you driving through europe in the uk yes we are we're driving uh i think that my tour manager has um he's found this cool thing it's like we're going to get a van and gear and a driver and all these things for one one place it's going to be a, hopefully it'll be really smooth and really easy and uh well you know we'll, we'll be comfortable and have have a good time doing it uh, but yeah, there's all kinds of cool things. You know, that Pass Pop Festival that we're doing up there, man, I, I just, I'm pretty stoked, man. Like a lot of these, I have a lot of friends who have gone over and done things like that. Like my buddy Gary T. Caps and all these guys that have done really well over there. So, uh, you know, they're telling me stories and I want to, uh, I got to get, I got to get mine, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. Well, obviously I'm opening for you in Manchester, which I really can't wait for. You know, I have tickets to this show. Um, before I've managed to wear my way onto it, I'm really fucking looking forward to playing <laughs> with you guys. I know um, someone who's been on this podcast before, Alex Connolly, who's one of the best country singers in the UK. He is doing a couple of dates with you. I'm really fucking excited for this tour. Awesome, man. Well, that's great to hear, man. I can't wait to. Uh, I can't wait to see you. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Well, thanks so much for making the time today. I hope the rest of your day goes well, and you don't have too much press after this as well. Yeah, we're good, man. I think this is it, man. I'm going to go take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, enjoy. (laughs) 
and there we have it folks do not miss mike and the moon pies on their uk tour start on april 1st it is going to be incredible Alex Connolly is opening nottingham and oxford i'm opening manchester it's going to be so fucking cool as a fan i am so excited make sure you get jesse daniels tickets make sure you come see luke hendrickson all information is in our link tree and all across our social media pages and until next time folks keep doing the things you love keep supporting the things you love peace